Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hello, everyone. I'm Rohit from LifeSellMastery.com. And today I'm excited to have Christopher Kramer, who's the CEO of Snappa, a web-based graphic design tool for marketers and entrepreneurs. Uh, Snapper was launched and, and has seen more than you know uh, forty thousand signups, and they've uh, gone through a combination of growth-focused tactics. Uh, welcome to the show, Christopher. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so, so can can you tell us a little bit about your background and how did you get into entrepreneurship and SaaS businesses? Yeah, I'll try to make the long story short, but uh, my background's actually in finance and accounting. Um, so after I graduated uh, university with a business degree, I started working uh, for the federal cover, uh, federal government in kind of uh, like a finance and budgeting role. And I did that for five years. Um, and then eventually, like most people, I just got really uh, bored uh, with what I was doing. Um, I had, I had, taken a trip to Southeast Asia, which, which was really amazing. And when I got back, I just didn't want to be in a cubicle anymore doing work that, you know, I didn't really enjoy. Um, and so fortunately at that time, uh, Mark, who's now my business partner, he also started um, at the same place that I was uh, um, in the government. And uh, I found out that he kind of did web development on the side. Um, he was never... Uh, like he never did it as a profession. It was just something that he kind of did on the side. And so when I saw that he could, you know, develop stuff, um, that's when I started thinking like, hmm, maybe, maybe the two of us could start an online business together. Um, and that led down quite a long journey to, to get us where we are. Um, you know, we launched uh, quite a few projects. Uh, you know, the, the first two weren't that successful. Eventually, um, we hit on one that, you know, enabled us to make a bit of money. And then I kind of took, uh, what I did was, uh, we both took a one year leave of absence from work, uh, so that we can kind of focus a bit more on building the business. Um, and eventually we were, you know, able to make enough money, um, where we felt somewhat confident enough to, to, to quit our jobs full time and, and kind of pursue the, the business thing full time. Got it. And um, so, so you, you did you start in 2015 uh, or did you start building on, on Snapper? And I think you had a product before Snapper as well, right? Yeah. So the sequence of events was we had the first thing we ever launched was a student dating website called Classmate Catch. And that was back in 2012. Um, we were actually able to get about a thousand users or so in the first couple months. But like you know, if I'm being honest with myself, we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, we, uh, we had, you know, like wasn't making any revenue and, and, you know, we hadn't raised any money. So, um, that, you know, didn't last uh, very long. Um, and that's when we kind of realized like, you know, if we're going to bootstrap a business, it, it has to make money from day one. And we kind of need paying customers. Um, we can't build, uh, like a VC type business where you're only worried about getting users and then you'll, you'll figure out revenue down the road. Um, so then in 2014, we launched a website called Bootstrap Bay, which was a marketplace for web design themes. Um, because we, we, through doing keyword research, uh, we noticed that 
bootstrap themes and bootstrap templates in particular, which was um, starting to become a popular front end framework for developers. Um, there was a lot of search volume around that. And so we basically created a, a marketplace uh, for those themes. And that did about uh, 10K per month in revenue um, after about six months. Now we had to pay about half of that to the, the theme authors. Um, but we were, you know, making a profit of, let's say, 4K per month, which for us was like unbelievable. I mean, we, we went from, you know, making no money online on, on to, to making some. And after that, we, you know, started learning more about how to drive traffic, how SEO works, um, you know, different conversion type stuff. Um, and then we, you know, at that time we started learning about SaaS and, and we, you know, we really wanted to start uh, getting into the, the SaaS business. Um, and then we, we ended up launching Snappa in uh, 2015. Uh, and so that's the business that we're working on now. Got it. And, and uh, you know, did you get a lot of traffic from for, from from your previous product to Snapper, or you know, how did you uh, really uh, you know try to get the initial users to start uh, using Snapper product? Yeah. So what happened was, um, so when when we were working on Bootstrap Bay, um, I was basically creating all the blog content. Um, we 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 did a lot of content marketing. That's how we kind of grew that business. Um, and every time we needed to create images, it was a, it was a big pain. Um, and so that's kind of where I had the first kind of idea for, you know, it'd be, it'd be cool to build kind of like a, a, a graphic design tool kind of dedicated towards marketers and people like myself that don't really have design skills. Um, but at that time, um, we knew that, you know, <laughs> launching a freemium product um, without any user base would have been really difficult. So, uh, fortunately, what, what happened around the same time was um, I, had, I was on Reddit and, I know, and someone had posted uh, a thread about where to find really nice free stock photos. Um, and this is when like Pexels and um, Unsplash and some of these really, uh, you know, really, really good free stock photo sites were popping up. And it did really well. And so I essentially turned that into a blog post um, where I curated the, the really good new uh, free stock photo sites uh, under Creative Commons um, and turned it into like a, a big blog post. And that, that blog post ended up going viral. Um, and so all of a sudden we have this blog post that's ranking on the first page of Google for free stock photos, which is like an insanely competitive keyword. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, after a couple months, you know, I figured like, okay, it's, it's going to die down and we're, you know, we're, but, but it can, it maintained, um, kind of that first page ranking. So then when we were looking at, um, the websites that we, you know, he had listed, um, none of them had search functionality at the time. So essentially what they were doing is like every week they would release 10 new free stock photos, um, and you can kind of download them and do whatever you wanted with them. So what we did was we basically created our own stock photo site called StockSnap. Um, and we had curated um, these photos that were under Creative Commons that essentially had no copyrights. Um, and then we made them searchable. And so we launched that website um, and obviously we included it uh, within our, our blog post. And then uh, we started getting traffic to, to that stock photo site as well. 
So now we were in this really great uh, position where we had a blog post that was generating a lot of traffic for free stock photos. And then we also had a free stock photo site that was generating a lot of traffic. So um, what I did was I basically ran a survey uh, to the people that were coming to our stock photo site to see like who they were, what they were using the photos for. And sure enough, a lot of them were, you know, marketers and social media people, um, that were, you know, using them for social media, content marketing, that kind of stuff. Um, and then I did another kind of round of, uh, interviews where I, I tried to dig into, um, you know, how they were actually creating their graphics, what kind of tools they were using just to validate that, um, you know, creating a graphic design tool like Snappa would, um, would be a useful tool for them. And then once, uh, you know, I kind of got uh, some validation in that area, we finally then um, launched Snappa and it was, you know, pretty easy to get our first customers because uh, we just had to cross promote it to our initial audiences. So, you know, without that blog post and without uh, our free stock photo site, it would have been um, much, much harder to get uh, Snappa off the ground. Got it. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you know you you've been building uh, stuff from 2012, and uh, you know over the years it took you took you a while to uh, come on to the to the real product. But uh, you know how much time did it actually take you to scale up Snappa and you know make make it a profitable venture? And uh, are you guys full time into Snappa, or are you also working on stock Snap? Uh, so we actually ended up selling uh, StockSnap um, about a year ago. Um, so, you know, StockSnap was super valuable for us um, in the beginning. And, um, you know, it was probably like 80 to 90% of our, our signups in the early days. Um, but as we scaled Snappa and kind of figured out, you know, these other, uh, you know, growth methods or whatever, by the time we sold it, it obviously became a much less percentage of our signups. And so um, when we got the offer to, to acquire it, um, it, it definitely made sense for us because then we could, um, you know, just focus 100% on Snappa rather than kind of diverting our efforts between uh, two, different, two different things. And obviously it gave us, um, you know, a nice chunk of cash in the bank, uh, you know, as a either safety net or something that we could reinvest back into to the business. Um, but uh, so to to answer the other question about how much time did it take and whatnot, um, it, I think it took about, uh, sorry, it's been a while now. Uh, I think it took about like, it, it didn't take that long for, for it to uh, basically give myself and Mark uh, a fan, like a salary that, that we could live off of. Um, I think we were, we were doing 10 K MRR within, I think it was like eight, six to eight months or, or something like that. Um, and then, um, basically as soon as we were able to hire our first developer, um, we did that because, um, as you can imagine with SAS, uh, you know, there's always like a huge backlog of feature requests, um, and then our next hire after that was, um, you know, kind of like a, a full-time marketer and support person. And so, yeah, so we, we've been able to scale it and uh, it's been profitable pretty early. It's, um, you know, obviously a profitable business uh, today and, and we continue to, uh, to grow it. <laughs> 
Got it. And, uh, you, know, you know, I was, I was researching about Snapper and, you know, I came across an article about uh, you ended up purchasing Snapper.com for $40,000. Uh, so, you know, uh, it was very interesting because you have Noah Kagan uh, who, who bought Somo.com and there's a uh, the few other, there's another Indian website I know who bought Housing.com for millions of dollars. So, so why did you go about spending forty thousand dollars, and uh, and do you advise founders to to, to buy uh, the dot com domain name, and uh, and was it a successful uh, purchase? Yeah. So, um, so when we started Snappa, our domain was you know Snappa.io, and obviously you know there's absolutely no way we would have spent forty thousand dollars in the beginning to to acquire the dot com. Um, so we were basically in a situation where, um, you know, Snappa was growing. Uh, we knew that it was going to be a business that was going to be around long term, uh, whether we just continued to grow it indefinitely or if it was, you know, something that we would sell at a certain point in time. And so you kind of get to that point where, um, you know, at the end, it's it's part of it is branding and, and, and uh, kind of like that trust factor. And, and the other part what, that always bothered me is if um, you went to snappa.com, uh, it wasn't like another website or something like that. It would just go to a blank page. We actually had um, one or two people that would send in support requests being like, hey, your website's not working. Um, I went to snappa.com and it's just like a blank page. Now, I'm sure that you know, most people nowadays are just uh, putting things into Google or, or, or bookmarking stuff. But um, you always wonder how often that's happening. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I looked at it as um, this is a company that that's growing. It, you know, we want it to be around for a long time. Um, and having the dot com um, is just, um, you know, for like a branding and a, and a trust factor to me, it, it made sense to acquire it, uh, given, um, you know, $40,000 is, is definitely a lot of money. Um, but at the same time, when you're doing, you know, I think at that time we were doing around, uh, you know, 20 or 30 K in MRR. Um, so you can, you know, you can sort of justify it if you, if you're looking at it as an investment. Um, now would I advise people to spend a bunch of money on dot coms? Um, generally my answer would be no, especially if, uh, you're, you're launching a new product and you have no idea whether it's even going to work or not. I mean, I personally wouldn't spend a lot of money on a .com. Um, now having said that, if I had, um, a bunch of money in my bank account and we were working on a new idea and I can get the .com for, let's say $5,000, maybe I might do that because, uh, if, uh, if your business starts taking off, um, that seller, uh, might up the price, uh, down the road. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of my thoughts on that. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally does make sense. Uh, for somebody just starting out, you know, they don't need to really worry about a dot com, but, uh, but once you, once you're building a long-term brand, uh, you know, totally somebody, uh, should look at the long-term effects. Um, so, uh, you know, I want to know what, what are the pricing for snapper.com and, uh, you, you know, and any other numbers you would like to share uh, uh, with the listeners? 
Yeah, so so Snap is a freemium model. Um, so we we have a free plan uh, that that uh, you can create five graphics a month. So if um, basically if you're just looking to try it out, or or you, you know you only need to create like a couple graphics here and there, um, then you know you can you can get by on a free plan. Um, and then we also have a pro plan, which starts at uh, uh, ten bucks a month on, on an annual subscription, or fifteen dollars month to month. And then we have a team plan. Um, so for up to five team members, um, and that one's um, 20 bucks a month on an annual subscription or uh, 30 month a month. Got it. And, and what I notice is, uh, you know, Canva also, uh, also has a similar product, but, uh, uh, but are there any differentiations? Uh, you know, are they catering toward, uh, to a to very specific audience of designers or uh, do you think you're reaching out to the same audience? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, every, every product and in every industry, uh, you know, always has multiple products. And, and my thing is you can never satisfy every single user. Um, so if, speaking for Snappa, we really um, focus heavily on ease of use and, and efficiency. And we really target those, uh, the, the marketer uh, slash small business owner who's really, looking to create graphics quickly, but, but still nice looking graphics and then kind of get on with their day. Um, so, you know, we're not trying to, um, make, you know, designers out of people, uh, where we're really focusing on, uh, people that are, that need graphics for their business. Um, but it, it's not their main focus and that's really how we've tailored our product. Got it. Um, so, Christopher, I want to know what what are some of the biggest challenges uh, challenges in growing a startup, SaaS uh, startup, especially where you know uh, which which, is a, which has a freemium model uh, and, and you know plans range from ten to twenty dollars. So, um, so how, you know how how does the funnel work? Uh, you know, uh, and, and what are the biggest challenges in growing uh, such a bootstrap startup? Yeah, it's it's funny because. Um, <laughs> Uh, usually when you're, uh, when you're starting a, a software business, uh, or bootstrapping a software business, um, usually what you don't want to do is start something that's freemium with a low price point. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason is you just need so many customers to make it viable. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, going back to what I mentioned earlier in the interview is that, you know, we had that blog post and that stock photo site that was already getting uh, quite a significant amount of traffic, um, which made it viable. Like if, but if you're really starting from scratch with zero audience and you have no, no way of getting, um, you know, customers in the door other than kind of uh, reaching out directly, you know, it's going to be, it could be pretty difficult to do a freemium, uh, low price point business, unless you have some type of viral uh, component to it. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have that. Um, in terms of the challenges, I mean, with, you know, bootstrapping a, so a software uh, startup, um, you know, you're, you're always going to be kind of behind <laughs> in, in terms of where you want to be in development. So for the first year, it was like, just my co-founder that was working on the product. And so you can imagine there's quite a backlog of feature requests and, and bug fixes and, and all that kind of stuff 
Um, and you know, you can't hire, you know, if, if you don't have a chunk of money in the bank from VCs, you can't go out and hire a team of developers, um, and, right. and not worry about being profitable. So, you know, we could only hire when, when we actually had the money to do so. So that's, that's always going to be a challenge. I don't know a single other software founder that, that thinks that they have enough developers for, for what they need. Um, so you kind of just have to. Uh, understand that that's a reality and, and you'll just have to kind of uh, work around that. Got it. And, uh, 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 you know, uh, do you, do you, uh, in terms of marketing, do you work, uh, do you pay for paid advertising or is it, uh, you know, a viral uh, uh, or referral marketing? Uh, how, how do you get, how do you make sure that you get the stream of new users and customers coming on and using Snapper? Yeah, so we don't do any paid advertising. Uh, paid ads is really difficult uh, to make work unless you have, um, uh, you know, a higher ticket uh, uh, software with with a higher with a high lifetime value. Um, so you know, our bread and butter has basically been SEO and content marketing. Uh, mm-hmm. So we've been very strategic about um, you know setting up uh, various landing pages. Um, targeting uh, certain keywords, as well as writing content um, that is highly relevant to to our product. Um, so we so we we generate a lot of uh, traffic through Google, which we then um, you know promote our our, our product, obviously. Um, and then because we have a you know a, a freemium model, um, we tend to to see a lot of uh, referrals. Um, from people that try the product, they like it, they tell you that their friends about it. Um, we don't have any sort of like true viral component to it. Like, you know, there's no widget or there's no, um, you know, uh, email signature or anything like that. It, it's really more of just people telling their friends. Um, and then we also tend to get written up quite a bit in, you know, in blog posts and uh, you know, every day there's a new article about 21 marketing tools that every business owner must have. And so we, we find our way in those quite a bit. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, the main marketing engine right now is the, the, the SEO, the content, uh, the referrals. Um, and we've been working a little bit more with partnerships and, you know, that, that's definitely something that we're, we're looking to do more of, uh, over the next year or so. Got it. So, so Christopher, you have background in finance, uh, and uh, and you know, uh, then you transitioned uh, later into startups. So, do you think non-technical founders can build SaaS products, or is it is it too complex and you need to have a technical co-founder? This is my opinion, but I think it would be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to do a SaaS business without. Uh, a, a technical co-founder um, and keeping the technology in-house. Um, I think like if you need, a, you know, like a, <laughs> a website built or the, the technology itself is not a core component of the business, then, you know, I think it's perfectly fine to outsource development uh, or maybe hire an agency to build it. But I mean, there's very, very, very few SaaS products um, that are successful that didn't have, um, that weren't built by, uh, or weren't built in-house by one of the technical co-founders. 
So I, you know, I was fortunate in that I, I did have a technical co-founder. Now I'm not saying it's impossible, um, but you're probably going to need a lot of money <laughs> to, to make it happen. Um, and if you're non-technical at the, at the bare minimum, you will need to have at least a, a solid understanding of programming so that you can actually, um, uh, you know, manage those developers and, and keep them accountable and make sure that they're, they're building, uh, building the right stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally makes sense. Um, actually, sorry, one, one more point on that. I mean, like yeah. in the, in the early days of snap, uh, I mean, Mark, my co-founder was working, you know, just crazy hours. Um, and it wasn't being compensated because, you know, we, we had equity in the business, you know, we're, we're 50, 50 partners. So, um, he was willing to put in the, you know, 13, 14 hour days for God knows how many weeks and months in a row, because he knew that in the end he, he was going to be rewarded for that. Right. Um, whereas if you're hiring, you know, an agency or you're just paying a developer, uh, by the hour, you know, they're, they're not going to put in like 20 hour days and only get paid, uh, eight hours of work. They're just not going to do that for you. So, um, that's, that's the other aspect of, um, you know, in the early days when you have equity, you can, you can kind of justify working insanely hard. Whereas if you're paying someone by the hour, there's not as much intensive or there's not as much incentive to really go balls out. No, you're absolutely right. You know, I, uh, I think I watched a video from Gary Weinshaw where he said that employees will never be that driven to work hard on the business because they're not compensated well, or maybe it's, you know, it's not their baby. So, so I, I get where you're coming from. Um, yeah. And that's that. And that's why when, um, fun, when, uh, sorry, when uh, startups get funding, they almost always give equity to the, to the early employees, because yeah. if you're employee number one and two of a funded startup, you're, you're probably going to be expected to work insane hours. Uh, but they kind of dangle that equity in front of you. And, and there's always that promise of you making a gazillion dollars when there's the, the big exit. Um, but for a bootstrap company, um, <laughs> there, you can't make that promise, right? Correct. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, so I want to talk about your team. Are you guys remote or, or you work out of a, a certain place? Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we work remotely. So we all work from um, either, uh, I, I personally work from a home office. Um, uh, you know, our, our marketing guy, he, he kind of likes to switch up his environment more frequently than, than some of the rest of us. But um, yes, yeah, so we all work remotely. Um, however, the, uh, so the, the, we have a, uh, we, yeah, so a lot of us are, are in the same city. So, uh, we try to meet up pretty regularly. And then we also do like uh, a company retreat once a year, um, as kind of, uh, you know, like a team building and fun kind of activity. Got it. And, and it looks like, you know, uh, Canada and Ottawa has, has a lot of these SaaS companies. So, uh, you know, does, does it help to have developers from, from these areas, uh, joining your company? Yeah. I mean, Canada is interesting because, um, there's quite a bit of, uh, developers and, and developer talent. Um, but we're, you know, it's nothing like San Francisco where, you know, the, the top developers are making, 
you know, six figures or multiple six figure salaries that, that we kind of need to compete with. Right. Um, so it, it's actually a pretty good, uh, Canada is, is, is a pretty good co- uh, country to, well, at least in the big cities like Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, right. and maybe you can lump Ottawa in there. Um, whereas, yeah, you, you can find develop developer talent, um, and you're, you're going to, uh, they're going to demand much less than, than a a top talent from Silicon Valley. Got it. And how big is the team right now? Uh, so right now it's uh, five people. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Um, so, so let's quickly do the top three. Uh, what's your favorite business book? Uh, I think it's still, well, I'll give you two. I'll, I'll, I'll cheat the question a bit. So okay. my favorite overall book is, I think it's, it's still the Steve Jobs biography by, um, uh, I think it's Walter Isaacs. Yes. Uh, it's just absolutely fascinating and probably the most um, inspirational read. And that, that really kind of um, opened my eyes to the possibilities that entrepreneurship Uh, can afford. Um, and then in terms of like a pure technical book, um, I think, uh, traction by Gabriel Weinberg and Justin Maris is a really solid book, um, to, to, to think about growth and, and marketing and kind of the different tactics that are available to you. Got it. And, and you, you know, if you could go back in time when you got into entrepreneurship or started Snapper, uh, what is the one thing you would have focused on? the one thing we were focused on? No, if you, if you could go back in time, is, is there anything you would have done differently or you, you would have focused on, on one single thing to, uh, to, you know, uh, to, to, to really keep things moving on? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's difficult because when, especially for software, um, there's part of you that you need to launch early, um, and you don't want to take too long to develop, uh, because you need to, you know, validate as early as possible. You need to actually generate revenue and support yourself. Um, but at the same time, if you kind of rush things and, and move too quickly and not factor in, um, some of the the decisions in the long term, you end up building up a lot of technical debt, and you kind of have to go back and and refactor some of the stuff. Um, and so, I I don't want people to look into this too much, but there were certain things where maybe we we should have taken a bit more time uh, to decide on because down the road it kind of ended up uh, hurting us a little bit. So, um, just being careful about the decisions that you make early on and how they're going to affect you down the road. Okay. And, and, and what's your favorite online tool, for example, Gmail or Slack or any other tool that you use frequently? Yeah. In terms of, I mean, Slack's an awesome tool. We, we use it every day. Um, and uh, for marketing purposes, uh, I really like Ahrefs. Um, it's, it's really good for, um, keyword research, um, uh, backlink research and essentially all the, all the SEO stuff that you need. Got it. And, and, you know, how, how can people get to know more about Snapper? Uh, they can go to snappa.com, uh, that, that $40,000 <laughs> investment paying off right there. <laughs> Got it. 
and and what are the best way people can reach out to you uh, uh i'm on twitter although i'm really not that active uh, anymore uh, at c gimmer uh, if anyone uh, wants to reach out directly uh, they can email me christopher at snappa.com awesome um th- thank you uh, christopher coming on to the show i really appreciate uh, and nice talking to you yeah thanks for having me thanks for listening to the life self mastery podcast where we teach you how to start and grow your online business for more information visit rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com <laughs>